Hey, everybody, it's Carrie Champion, and this is The Ground Print, a podcast that offers solutions and guidance for the marginalized and those who feel left out. These discussions will act as a guide to mentor those in need of direction and also to inspire those who feel hopeless. We will move the needle forward and speak out on the issues by way of dialogue and telling stories of those who need to be heard. I have to say that my producer and I spent 10 minutes this today trying to figure out what the appropriate way to ask you oh, where your parents are from was without being insulting or problematic. Oh, God. So maybe I answered my own question about whether people are too sensitive. Can you answer both those questions simultaneously, please? <laughs> well, I feel like it's not what you say, it's how you say it. So when you have a face like mine, you can, you know, you can be from many different places because it's just a mix. <laughs> when people assume something, that's like, that's like the worst, you know, or people are just like, you're Puerto Rican, right? Or if I go to France, they're like, Morocco, Algeria, let me know, you know? There's also a thing people love to do where they're just like, you know, I know a girl that has hair like you. You guys will get along. And it's like, why? <laughs> <laughs> When we get along, or uh, I've never seen a black person with freckles. It's just like, well, Google an image more, bitch. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> it's not my life. If you watched television or movies over the past few years, you've probably seen Michelle Buteau. I'm a fan. I hope you are too. Michelle killed it with the scene stealing role in Always Be My Maybe. Isn't It Romantic with Rebel Wilson? That was really funny. And Russian Doll, along with a ton of other movies. We have to include a reality TV show, The Circle, and a breakthrough stand-up special, several actually, including her own headlining show, Welcome to Potopia, on Netflix. But I'm not done. She recently wrote a book called Survival of the Thickest. And there she tells all in her special way. You laugh, you cry, you understand what she's been through, but most importantly, you respect her because it's been a lot. It's no secret Michelle's a star on the rise, if not already arrived. So we're going to get the details about how she was able to do it, and hopefully it will inspire you, like all of our other incredible guests, right here on The Brown Print. First and foremost, um, thank you so much for being on The Brown Print. The Brown Print uh, was created just as an idea for people who are marginalized. Um, I, I feel like uh, through my life, I've noticed that our our pathway to success and whatever success feels and looks like for you is different, but it isn't a blueprint. There is no start here, do this, do that, because there are already so many underlying circumstances that get in the way and and we have to perform differently and show up differently and act differently for various reasons. You know what I'm saying without even saying it. So um, my idea was to work with these great producers to come up with something called the brown print. And it's for people who have made it um, in traditional and not so traditional ways. And I think that you're one of those. I have been a fan for a while and I want to first start off by saying, um, how long have you been funny? (laughs) That's so subjective. I don't know. See, I don't think I was born funny. I, I was painfully shy. I was like, would blush when I would ask for extra ketchup (laughs) and um yeah and you know always told to like not laugh as loud or be as what just big like my mom used to straighten my hair and cover my freckles before we went to church so I was always trying to like fit into this box of what a lady was and then I went to and I was saving myself for marriage 
for sex. Uh-huh. And but I kept getting cheated on. I'm like, well, why? why they cheated hey, on yeah, me? Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm doing everything else. I'm in there like I'm trying to find something in the junk drawer. You know what I mean? I'm like in their pants. Yeah. But then I realized that um everybody is disappointing. And I went to college in Miami, left Jersey, and um I had sex for the first time. And I orgasm for the first the first time I had sex. Wow. And how does one do that? Yes. I there's no blueprint. <laughs> <laughs> you just gotta be. So yeah, and I think you know, that kind of like <laughs> I hate to be like broke me open, but literally and figuratively, yeah. Yes. And so I was like, you know, I was uh sassy and had like a sharp tongue and didn't even know I could say what I was thinking and people enjoyed it. And I was like, oh, damn. So I I don't want to be like, I liken it to sex. But, you know, I think it's definitely that whole year giving myself permission to do stuff and not telling my parents everything and thinking about what they were going to say. So so take me back. Tell me about the household you grew up in and obviously your background. So people understand, um, you know, not having sex and why that was really something that you were maybe, I think, socially thought that that was what it was supposed to be and how you ultimately got over that and then became this great, lovely woman you are today. (laughs) Oh, my God. You're so nice. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I mean, you know, I'm the only child. I'm a girl. Um, My mom is from Jamaica. My dad's from Haiti. And so my cousins are either doctors or they had kids in high school. And so it was always like, sex, don't do it. Um, wait till you're married. You know, education is more important, the most important. Um, but my mom always had this seed in her that she wanted to plant in me where it was, you know, be independent. Don't rely on no man for anything. You know, have your money, make money. Don't, you know, waste your money in rent. And so she always mm-hmm. tried to tell me how to figure out how to be independent, which was great. Then it like really took a turn where I was just like, don't hold my door. Don't pay for my drink. And so, and I tell my friends this all the time. I'm like, don't be so independent that you don't know how to receive love. Uh You know, a lot of times, you know, my husband will be like, well, what can I do for you? Because obviously you could do it all yourself. I'm like, that, (laughs) but (laughs) it's it's that too. And so when I got over the hump of moving out of uh, my parents' house, going to college, trying to figure out. You know, like I'm Julia Roberts in um, Runaway Bride, How I Like My Eggs. All my references are just like older than Taylor Swift. Um, <laughs> don't come for me, Taylor Swift fans. I'm a fan too. I love any white girl that is talented with curly hair. You better get it. So they understand the struggle. And so um, <laughs> any white girl that like messes with leaving conditioner, I'm just like, we could be friends. But... So it was that, it was moving out. And then it was like, oh, I'm a bigger bitch. I'm, you know, I'm too fat. I'm I'm not fat enough. I'm this, I'm that. And I'm just like, what? Why is there always something that I feel like I have to overcome? Mm. It's like, you should lose weight and then you'd be fuckable. You should do this. You should. And I was like, so in college and then in my 20s, I felt like I had to come over, get over the hurdle of, um, defining beauty for myself and and also owning my own sexuality and not being ashamed of um, whatever I wanted, 
just asking for what I want or getting it. I think that's important to talk about um, in the world that we live in, but you specifically, comedian, actress, um, podcast host. It's very visual. Um, you are putting your art in front of everyone and you're saying, do you love it? Do you like it? I feel the same way about what I do. And inevitably, there will be critics and people who don't like what you say or what you do. Um, the presentation part, and I, and, I, and I say this because when I grew up, my mother would be like, smart, be smart. Your looks will fade. They can never take away your intelligence. They can never take away oh, your information, oh, oh, right? Oh, oh. So, Are you my yeah, do, do we have the same 100%. Model? 100%. So all that other stuff is like, okay, if I happen to be, that's great too. Talk to me about how you may have had your insecurities being in front of people and more importantly, being on camera, being an actress, being uh, opposite other people who are way thin and, and how you're able to really live in your own comfort. Well, I didn't even know that. Um, I didn't even know I was a big person until someone told mm -hmm. me, you know, I just thought I was me. I, I just thought, oh, wow. How come the stores never have a size for me? You know, I was just sort of oblivious. Mm. And then um, I really loved journalism and uh, entertainment. Um, entertainment news was a thing. You know, Entertainment uh, Tonight was out. And I was like, ooh, Mary Hart and her shoulder pads. I'm going to do yeah. that. And uh, when I went to school for journalism, a uh, professor asked me in a TV production class, he asked everybody, what, what do you want to be? And I said, I'd like to be a journalist. And he said, well, you're just simply too fat to be on camera. And I didn't even question him. And I was like, oh, I guess he's right because I don't see anyone like me. So I guess that's just the way it is. And I just went into production. And so I just sort of believed that narrative. I just mm. accepted it. But the more I was editing and working behind the scenes and like basically producing really basic bitches that could wear a crop top, I'm like, why am I giving you all of this shine? <laughs> and so it's so annoying. I'm like, how do you not know to do that? <sighs> Have some personality. And then I was like, this is frustrating. <laughs> Plus I was editing in a bay with no window. I'm mm -hmm. like, I am too mm -hmm. cute not to have a window. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a lot of coworkers when I was working in the news business told me I should do stand-up comedy because I was really funny. And, not, and I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to be a comedian. Like I went to a few shows and they were all men that were broke, um, that were jerking off in dark rooms, couldn't even afford weed. I was like, that is not... My story, mm -hmm. I'm a happy bitch that likes a check. <laughs> so <laughs> I like my cable. I like my dinners. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, I like joy. So you don't like, want to be, you don't do be paycheck to this? paycheck. You were like, let me just add. I, I don't know what that means. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, when I got deep into comedy, I was like, okay, check to check. I get it now. <laughs> but, you know, it was like, but it was so worth it doing something that I love. But, you know, when I was editing um, um, for the news, 9-11 happened. And I was like, oh, this is, this is some horrible shit. And I'm like, what a great time just to do something that I said maybe I should do. And so I started stand-up right after 9-11. And for six or seven years, I edited overnights and did stand-up before I went in. And sort of just like found my way into confidence, into ownership, into, um, you know, the stage. Um, 
And yeah, it was sort of like high school where I also had like a foot in each door. I would go to like the clubs. I would go to the Chitlin Circuit. I would go to the gay clubs, you know, the alternative places. And everyone's like, you're so beautiful. You're so beautiful. Mm -hmm. I said, me? Mm -hmm. And it was wonderful. It was really fucking wonderful. And I feel like uh, comedy helped me with my confidence and also speaking up for what I wanted, for sure. Because, you know, no one's a fucking mind reader. Comedy helped you with your confidence. It helped you speak up for yourself. But do you see how what you do and how you present yourself and who you are just in your in your essence as a woman, do you see how it's changing the game or has changed the game? Well, now, because I see like auditions that say like a Michelle Buteau. I said, what? <laughs> You could just also call Michelle Buteau. I'm available <laughs> if you want someone like. Yeah, but that's the thing too, right? It's like once you give yourself permission to do whatever the fuck you want to do, someone could always ask you like in a casting room, well, just do it like this. But I just want to serve people what I do, my version, you know, the way I would say it. Um, sometimes like like a relationship, sometimes people don't know what they want until you serve it to them. And they're Oof. like, this isn't as bad. Ooh, this is a sermon. That's a sermon right there. Because sometimes you don't know what you want. <laughs> until you, you're like, well, I, I don't know. I like, I, I like. You gotta get that vitamin yes, I, I like that. Okay, so I think it's, <laughs> so first and foremost, what's refreshing and what is also considered not even taboo, but what's refreshing is that you're comfortable in your sexuality. You're comfortable talking about it. You're comfortable in your own skin. And I mean, we all have our own insecurities privately, quietly, things we're still working on. But yeah. but survival of the thickest, you said you spend a lot of time waiting for your prime. How do you think about that in terms of being in comedy for 19 years, waiting for your prime? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, right? Like. You live life like you're going to be old, like you're going to live to a very old age, right? So for me, I was always patient with comedy because I'm here to do it forever. I'm not here just to get some big ass gig and then just like go up to the mountains and have like a pistachio farm. <laughs> like I'm, you know, I'm that Joan Rivers bitch. I'm the Whoopi Goldberg hoe. You know, I want to be in it forever and ever. And so I feel like, I determine when I make it. And that's when I really started paying my bills and started doing stuff and saying things that I want to talk about, not stuff that I felt like I had to talk about. And, you know, Hollywood has a whole other definition of me making it, you know? And it's so funny. Everyone's just like, you really came out of nowhere. How do you handle all this stuff, all this work? And it's just like, bitch, I've been out here working forever, but a lot of it was for mm -hmm. free. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Um, you were honing your skills. Never got you were, you were honing your sure. skills. Let's, let's say. Yes. <laughs> sure. Yes. Working for free. <laughs> the bitch has been skillful. <laughs> Hollywood was honing their fucking, uh, what is it, diversity Yeah, clause. you're like, yeah, yeah. hi, I have been good. You guys, when you finally needed us, we're back. Okay. Yes. Yes. Thank you so much, streaming platforms, because everyone needed more bitches. But um, I, to that note, though. As a, as, and then what are you considered? What box do you check? You check black woman box? What box do you check? Oh, girl, that's a whole other fucking kitten caboodle, honey. Because um, I am always fascinated by what people think I am. I am a black woman. 
people see other things. And I always want to see, hear what they see. I have been, for a minute after Master of None came out, everyone's like, Lena Waithe, oh, hell yes. We can get all the diversity in one box. Let's just get a queer Black woman. So for a lot of times, for like a year and a half, there's a lot of lesbian roles. Um, That's good. And then I was like, you know what? I'm open, but this is crazy because I'm straight and you, I'm open-minded. I'm straight. You need to hire a gay actress. They're out here. They are loud and proud and doing the work in every fucking way. And so that was something I had to come to terms with too, right? Because there's always like this saying in the room, like, we, you gave for pay, we gave for pay now. You know what I mean? But now it's like, no, why would we even fucking do that? That's horrible. So, yeah, I mean, I already forgot the question. I feel like I'm just, oh, Spanish. <laughs> People, like, she's Spanish. I'm like, I, I'll be Spanish. Don't give me no Spanish to say. Now, look, I just did this movie with J-Lo called Marry mm-hmm. Me, and I was her assistant, her sassy tell like it is assistant, mm-hmm. and I get it, like, you know, my whole damn look is mm-hmm. like Dominican from the Bronx. Mm-hmm. I understand mm-hmm. that. Do you know what yeah. I mean? I understand 23 and Me. <laughs> I've seen a reggaeton video. And then um, Jen was like, give her some Spanish to say. I said, what? And that was horrible. Yeah. I tried. <laughs> I really tried. But, you know, there's like an essence. There's like a cadence. Yeah, you have there's to roll like the R's. Like, yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. I can't roll my R's. You know, that's just like one of the things I can't do. You know what I mean? It's like I could do a split, but I can't roll my R's. So give a bitch some credit. You know what I'm I don't even remember what I say. I was just like, mariposa or some shit. And look, there's certain things I cannot do. And I stay in my lane. It is a cute size 18 to 20 lane. Like one time I auditioned for, what is it? The AI movie with Will Smith where... I was supposed to play a very small role where I was supposed to play a woman getting um, interviewed by a reporter and like my whole family has died. And then during the interview, I start crying blood and then I just cry and fall to the floor. And I'm doing this in the audition and I'm like, and I go down to the floor and I'm like testifying and I stop and I'm like, what is going on? And I hear the casting director laughing. I'm like, why are you laughing? She's like, this is just so funny. You, Thank you so much, but no, this is not for you. And I'm like, all right, I guess the bitch can't play sad, and I get it. I so so you can't do sad movies. Is that what you're saying? I think you can. I'm here for. I think I, think you, I, can I think you too. Can. I just think you know nobody really wants to take the freckles and the big titty seriously, but she's got range. Listen, you when I see, look, I can go down a list, but I'm looking at all the things that our producer put together. Now, remember the circle. And that was so exciting. Did you love doing that? How did you feel about that? Hosting. Because hosting is a different bit than acting and being a comedian. How do you feel about that? Well, I feel like I was always a host first because I wanted to be a journalist. Yes. yes. Okay. Okay. And so, you know, I love to put together a good dinner party. I like to be a little maestro of fucking joy and fun right, 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 right. and truthfulness. So I was like, oh, this is nothing. And I don't have to see them to the... Um, Reunion, this is great. Like, what? I was browless most of the time in like a sound booth. I'm like, this is wonderful as fuck. And, um, you know, reading it on paper, I'm like, I don't know if I want to be a part of a project. You know, catfishing is glorified and you can win money and 
it's a competition. But when I actually started to watch it, I fell in love with these people. And I also mm. realized how important this relationship we have with social media is. We have to learn a balance constantly. And we also um, have to realize that um, how we present ourselves and what we say about ourselves um, can lead to other things for better yeah. or for worse on the internet. And also the deep, dark reasons of why people catfish is because ultimately they don't feel like they are enough. Mm. They don't want to hear the stuff that people say. And that's why I'm always like, you guys, we have to be kind. We have to be better to each other. You know, like it's always fascinating when people leave comments because it's never about whether I'm funny or not, unless I'm a woman. They're like, women can't be yeah, funny. I we're was not like, allowed. Enjoy your day. Yeah, yeah exactly. we're not allowed to do anything. <laughs> yeah. And I, yeah, they're like, she's not funny. I'm like, I got a Netflix special. Yeah. And they're like, <laughs> she, you know what I mean? I, they're like, she's fat. I'm like, I'm healthy. Come yeah. Married. They're like, not fuckable. And I'm like, I get fucked. <laughs> you know? So like, what are you trying to say, sir? Mr. Christian father too? What are you trying to say? I have to, and I'm laughing so hard because I am consistently murdered on the internet. The I call it the Twitter um, in the comments. And I think it's unfortunate. We can laugh because you have to laugh. Because, I mean, these people don't have a life. Anybody who spends their day leaving negative comments under someone's page or on their page because they don't like what they said, you have to trust that you're doing something right. That's what I believe. I believe that that the impact that us marginalized, us black and brown folks are are having is is unstoppable and it and you can't question it and so you have to tear it down in order to try to stop it so when you receive these comments is there ever a time where it does stick to your spirit and if so how do you shake it off um you know when it's coming down like a tsunami that's when i'm like oh i have to step away yeah because there there have been a few times where People, a group of people are being so mean where I'm like, you know, I can't just block like 100 people. And that's when I really turn to my husband or call my mom or my dad or now just hang out with the kids and remember what is real. Because that shit is not real. Although stress affects your body in a real way, no matter what it is. And so, yeah, man, I have to remember that um, these people do not define my happiness. Mm. If I waited on strangers to define my happiness. I would never be successful. I would never be married. I, I wouldn't get anything done. That's beautiful. Don't wait on a stranger to define your happiness. Although, in the which is why I said it's so interesting when you did the circle and a lot of that is social media and how do we, we have to live in the world, both of these worlds. What's your advice for young women, comedians coming up? I asked this to Phoebe as well. What's your advice uh, for a young black or brown girl coming up who wants to be an actress, a host, a comedian. I mean, it's it's tough out there. Yes, the roles seem to be more, but it's still a level of prove yourself that you have to get to. I think no matter what the job is, you're going to have to prove yourself, mm. you know, especially if you're the only one, you're always going to stand out. And it's just like, use that shit to your advantage. Make shit so tough that no one can follow mm. you. Be the best you could be. You're in competition with yourself first not fucking everybody else. And, you know, for me, when I was coming up, I never asked people, how do I make money? How do I get on that stage? How do I get on that show? My only thing was, my mantra was, if they don't want to hear from me, they're going to hear about mm. me. 
And um, if they don't want to yeah, hear, if they don't say that again, if they don't want to hear from you, let them hear about you. Bye, bitch. <laughs> Be so fucking good that you just keep coming up in their algorithms. <sighs> and that really comes with fucking joy. Yes. And joy comes with pain. So how are you going to turn that pain into something good? I love what you just said. You are so inspiring. My my best friend um, is a huge, she worked in comedy for a while, um, but she's a huge fan of yours. And she said to me, I don't know what movie we were watching. Is it in Romantic? She said to me, she's been around forever. She's so talented and I'm so glad she's shining. Those were her exact words. So when you said that to me, it really Aww. makes sense. And I also feel that people who haven't seen this don't think that we, like you said, I just came on. No, I've been here. And like you said, it's that diversity clause. But there is there is something with being one of the first. There's a joy and a, a pride and a an excitement that comes with that when you are breaking these barriers. But there's also those cuts and bruises that we don't talk about um, to stay. Because once you get here, you know, or there for you, how do you submit mm-hmm. your place outside of just being excellent at what you do? How do you submit your place? What separates you from everybody else or the next come up? I mean, it, it's so hard to think about who's coming behind you and who like what happened before. for me. That just fucking feels overwhelming mm. for me. As long as I um, keep my head down and keep working, um, and working that is like creating, right? Creating stuff. Even if it's just a journal uh, with like pictures, whatever that is, you know, no one can ever deny the shit that you've written. Um, you know, keep pitching. At this point, it's like, there are so many platforms. Like, how are you not working? Mm. Like, even McDonald's is letting, mm-hmm. like, hiring um, people out of prison. Mm. Like, there's always going to be a job for somebody, <laughs> you know? Um, and comparing yourself to what everybody has is not the way to get that job. Um, and I also think putting in the work. I have this um, chapter that I end on in, in Survival of the Thickest where it's, like, advice you could fit on a magnet. If you what? Say that again? Advice you could fit on a magnet. Oh, okay. Because I like... I like little uh-huh. tidbits. Don't give me a whole fucking TED talk. I'm going to fall asleep. I feel like there's a quiz. I feel like I'm in Cuba. I got to look at like seven different cars in the fucking museum with a chicken. It's too much. Like, just give me t- give me this. So, <laughs> so one of them is like, put the work in. Like, I can't believe like these basic bitches, men or women, just showing up to auditions, just relying on their crop top. Yeah. Stop it. <laughs> Stop relying on your crop top. That's also advice you can put on a magnet. <laughs> yes, put it on a shot glass. Yes, because it's not going to work. I I <laughs> put in the work. I'm a big believer in hard work, but I do believe, Michelle, that it's subjective. I think people who think they work hard aren't really working hard. Ooh! <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, do you, you, do you know what I'm saying? Like, does that make sense? Yes, those are victims. Those are victims. Everything is always happening to them. And you're just like, good for yeah, them. good for you. But you're just like, that. that's not hard work. I, I, I think, <laughs> <laughs> I think. I wish people could see the eye roll. Okay, because right yeah, I'm all like, you know what? And that's what this is one of the conversations I've always wanted to have. I, I, I do believe that women 
women, period, because uh, women can't be funny. Women can't do this. Women can't cook. Women can't talk sports. Women can't, you know, have a platform. Women in general always mm-hmm. have to go an extra mile, right? But then there, uh, oh then my God. you add mm-hmm. the what I look like on top of it because we're always judged by what mm-hmm. we look like. Um, and mm-hmm. then when we finally get to this level of rarefied air or where we know we deserve to be because we've worked so hard, back to the work hard ethic, this is another, and this is my transition. This is a tough role. How do you, how do you, you talked about this earlier. How do you release your armor so that you can be loved? Because your armor is created as you create your own way, right? Does that make sense, mm-hmm. what I'm saying to you? Yeah. Like, as you rise and become successful, you develop an armor that is, you. Can, it's it's hard to take off because you're always in, in battle mode. How do you release yeah. that uh, and find love? You know, it's interesting. <laughs> it fixes yeah. that, moves on. Um, it's interesting you say that because, you know, if I had to go into my fertility battle with um, my husband and my kids, it was um, five years, four miscarriages and, a, and two surrogates. And then one surrogate worked out and I have beautiful, healthy twins. And... You know, much like comedy, much like the relationship with my parents, much like my relationship with God, much like my relationship with myself and my body, much like learning to like love my husband to, in order to love myself and all that. So, and then taking care of these kids, I read this quote that I really, really loved, and it completely applies to all the things you're talking about. The tools that you needed to survive will not be the tools you need to thrive. You need to put that down and figure out who this is over here now because you've been through it and now you're there and now you're over the fucking hill. You can look at the view and talk about it in a way you couldn't talk about it before, but you have to keep moving forward. So it's just like, don't stay in that place. You kept it moving this long, keep it fucking moving and find the fucking joke. <laughs> you all right? Find your fucking, yeah, right? listen, listen. Find your fucking joy. Now get out of here, goddammit. Okay, wait. I But give me that first line. The tools that, because I'm writing this down for me. The tools that. The tools that you needed to survive are not going to be the tools you need to thrive. Damn. You got to figure out what you need to thrive. Yeah. Amen. Whether that's trust in this situation, you know, the shoe might not drop. You might just be walking with both shoes. <laughs> Isn't that great? The fuck? It's amazing. And my friend Jordan Carlos, who I love, um, and when I was like really sad and going through it with um, these um, twins, because it was a high-risk pregnancy, it's all types of stuff, so out of control. Also playing a pregnant person and always being my baby, like fucking crazy. And he was like, you know what, Michelle? Sometimes you can have a happy ending. And I always held on to that because anytime I thought, well, this is it. This is the phone call that it's going to go wrong again. I was like, okay, maybe it won't. I can have a happy ending. And I did. And like a happy ending is just a new ass beginning. And it's fucking dope. Hold on. Right. (laughs) Girl, we've recorded this. You got it. Because, you know, I got to write, I got to read it and got to write it down and go back. That's the journalist in me. I read it and write it. Damn. All right. Oh, that was great. 
I think it's important that what you said makes sense. What we use to survive can't help us thrive. And and that definitely falls into the love category. You can't fight everybody. You have to, you know, when you said your husband said, and let's talk about that for a moment. This is just for me and me and my brown girls. Like, I am power to the people. Anybody who knows me, I got my fist up. I'm ready to fight for those who can't fight for themselves, speak for those who can't speak for themselves. There's always been a debate or always some questions around, who I can love as a black woman. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, and I get so mm-hmm. sick and tired of y'all. T- like I had a, this thing going on one of my shows that I had a, a crush on Captain America. Who don't think Chris is fine? You, you don't, I mean, Chris is fine. Can I not have a crush yeah. on him without y'all coming? Yes, you without can. Without y'all telling it's me free that I, there I go loving white men again. Like, so <laughs> talk now. to me about being married to someone who is not black and how that has, you know, taught you love in a different way or just love, period. It doesn't even have to matter that just love, period. And if you ever receive pushback on that. Oh my God, all the time. Are you serious? Even one person was just like, are you just trying to like fuck your way back to white? And I'm like, that is crazy. I'm gonna write that down though because that is, it is hilarious. Funny. Do you know yeah. what I mean? But like, the, it's like you have to like find like the the ignorance sort of funny because that's what it is. I don't know if men get that as much as women, and it doesn't even matter what kind of woman you are. Well, you're a light skinned woman. Is that why you like a white man because you think you're white? Oh, but when I was with a dark skinned man, it's just like, oh, you're trying to like find your blackness. (laughs) Everybody always has something to say about whoever the fuck I'm sitting on. But guess what? (laughs) It's it's my job. I don't say shit about you. And I do think that people have ruined it for us with this, these fetishes and like, you know, the whole history and shit of colorism and all that shit and just like the patriarchy pitting us against each other. And I refuse to, you know, play into that narrative. And I'm like, we are stronger together. Okay. So love is fucking love. And let's just keep it fucking moving. If that person makes you feel like you want to be a better person, no matter what fucking shade they is, then that's the person you need to fucking be with. And, you know, I, um, coming from a Caribbean background, everybody is very mixed anyways. And racism is fucking everywhere. In the Caribbean, though, it is mostly classism. (sighs) You know, like what neighborhood they're in or whatever the fuck colonial England has put upon us. Thank you so much. (laughs) (laughs) But I am, um, I have been defending who I am and what I am since I was in the first Mm. grade. And at this point, you know, I just keep the conversation moving like I'm at a dinner party and I'm going to look at somebody else to talk to or I just try to educate through love. Like when I was working at the news, like we had to write stories. I remember the writers, their whole thing was we need to write the story, this new story, as if we're talking to a five-year-old. And that's how they write the news. And so when people ask me some bullshit about being with a white man and like, you know, do you think you're better? Blah, blah, blah. I just talk to them like they're five years old and I just let them know. That love is love. <laughs> and we all get <laughs> love is love. Love is love. Yeah. Love is love. People love is love. People hate to see joy. And I'm just like, all right, hurt people, hurt people. Uh, yeah, yeah. I get tired of that saying too, but you you have to get over it, hurt person. Okay. Okay, before I let you go, before I let you go. <laughs> We we must discuss um upcoming movies, upcoming roles. Um here's my real question. And I think everyone I'm not an actress, but I would think people who are driven have this vision. Do you see yourself collecting the Oscar? 
Do you do you envision that? Do you know that role is coming for you? No, girl, man, I'm just really trying to figure out how to do a sober January. <laughs> like, no, girl. Everyone's just like, Michelle, who what's your dream? Who's the dream actor? And I'm like, whoever's COVID free, who hasn't me too somebody? Like, girl, I'm just happy to fucking be here. I'm happy Netflix is still a thing. You know? <laughs> Man, if you're COVID free and you haven't me to somebody, I just love to work with you. Okay, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I keeps it simple and specific. I love that that's how you keep your. I prayers. love it. Simple and specific. Talk to them like they five, Michelle. Talk to me like I'm five. Make it real simple. Um, <laughs> tell me about any upcoming projects you have going on. Well, um, I just filmed season two of The Circle. Um, I don't know the release date, but they do. Okay. Um, <laughs> Um, currently I'm in Atlanta, uh, filming season two of First Wives Club with Jill Uh Scott and that's fun. What else am I doing? I'm doing something else. Book busy and blessed. I'll take it all. I will take it all. And and you Yes, I'll give you all my W. Give them to me. And then and you and tell everyone your book is available. Paperback, audio, streaming, hard but what tell me. Yes, paper black, do all that shit. Go to your local bookstore and do it. Or Amazon it. You could do it on Amazon. You could do it. I try to support the local bookstores, though. You know, like this is a Tom Hanks movie with Meg Ryan and her original face. Yes. You get it. (laughs) You get it. Remember when Dave Chappelle was the best black friend? I said, okay. I think that came up. Um, so the name of the book for uh, first of all, I need. I think we need to promote that more so that everybody knows the name of the book: Survival of the Thickest. Correct? Am I correct in that? You are Survival of the Thickest plus size essays in a small minded world. Plus size essays in a small minded world. You need a whole show dedicated to your isms. You do know that, right? I do now. Okay. <laughs> Go and do it. Go and do it, girl. Go on and do it, girl. Uh, All right. Well, not do it. I want to make sure that you know it was a pleasure and you are inspiring. Thank you so much, sweetheart. I really do appreciate you. Oh my God, so nice to meet you. It's such a pleasure. I can't wait to tell my bestie. She's going to be jealous. Michelle Buteau, uh, she is a comedian, she's an actress, she's a host, she's a podcaster. You know, these days you have to be a Jack or a Jill of many trades. And That's the nature of the business, in any business, rather. Uh, But she gave us some gems. She was quite funny and extremely open. I I wasn't prepared for that, but I enjoyed every moment of it. Uh, She said a lot of things to me that really made sense. And I said, stop, you have to do this again. Tell me again so I can write this down. But one of the biggest takeaways was if they don't want to hear from you, force them to hear about you. And what that means for her is, as a woman who may not be appreciated for her comedy or her acting or perhaps even what she looks like visually, she does not care. They can say she's not good. They can say she's not funny, but they will constantly see her working, her television shows, her comedy specials, um, her podcasts. Something will always appear on your feed if you're into social media, if you will, but you will hear about her, whether you want to hear from her or not. And to me, that is truly inspiring. Now, finding comfort in your own skin, that's a tough one for a woman who is consistently judged, women in general, constantly judged by what they look like. Michelle talks very honestly in her book, Survival of the Thickest, of 
making sure she was comfortable with her body image and who she was as a woman. And once she became comfortable in her own skin, it allowed her to find an entirely different world, a world that made her feel comfortable asking about what she wanted and also what she needed, a world that allowed her to express herself more freely as a comedian. It's hard to find comfort in your own skin, but if you want to have any measure of success, personally or professionally, you should be able to do so. You should search for that comfort in your own skin. And last but not least, joy comes with pain. So find a way to turn that pain into something good. Michelle speaks so very candidly about trying to have children, IVF, surrogates, miscarriages. Um, and that truly is a painful experience. And some, many, probably would have said, this just isn't for me. Perhaps it's not my vision. It's not my journey to have children. But she was able to have children after a lot of trying, persistence, and finding alternative routes. And I appreciate her sharing that story because it's a struggle that so many women deal with. But she was able to find joy. And she knew that she would get that joy along with some pain. And that's just a beautiful, comforting feeling, knowing that joy is there for you. It awaits you, but also know there's pain. It's just how you deal with that pain. And for her, it was turning it into something that she could love. So that is it. Michelle Buto. She made me laugh. Did you guys laugh? I hope so. I hope you chuckled at least once, twice, maybe three times, perhaps. Um, this has been a fun and exciting edition of The Brown Print. Thank you all for listening. Talk to you next week. That's it for this week's episode of The Brown Print. Let's keep the conversation going online. You know I love to go online. Follow us on Instagram at The Brown Print Podcast and on Twitter at Brown Print Pod. Follow me, Carrie Champion, on IG and Twitter. You can find me at Carrie Champion. Don't at me if you got an attitude. Well, okay. We'd love to hear your feedback. Or if there's a specific topic you want us to tackle or guests that you want us to have on, please reach out to the brownprintpod at gmail.com. Again, at brownprintpod at gmail.com. If you've enjoyed this episode, share it with your friends. It helps spread the word. It is so important that we stay active and vocal. We'd greatly appreciate it if you showed us some love by leaving a five-star rating and a positive review. If you do not, I know you are a hater. Haha, <laughs> kidding, kind of. Not really. Meanwhile, uh, again, five-star rating and positive review. We need it. It really helps the podcast grow. The Brown Print is a Gallery Media Group original production.